0: Innisfirgedance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgetance, the Triad realized that Brana is a doorkeeper through which monstrous entities have entered their world. King Turla pushed for Brana's execution, even though killing an Innis person would mean extinguishing their gifting forever. Elga begged for another way. Kara the Soul Shepherd communed with the spirit of her predecessor, who revealed a ritual that would lock the entities away while also keeping Brana from being killed. The ritual was not easy, but together, Abin the Locksmith and Kara the Soul Shepherd did it. They locked Brana in soul form. Her body would remain in its current state. Unchanging, but her soul was trapped in another realm. With this entrapment, the monstrous beings, tethered to Brana's state, also became trapped in soul form. And all the while, Elga watched and raged. Brana in the past. She was encased in black space, floating, held hostage in some invisible place, separated from her physical being and hanging on by a delicate silver cord, unsure of how to return, not sure if she wanted to, lost. Confused. Sleepy. Painfully sleepy. Unable to speak, to think, Brana felt her keenest desire, sending it out like a message in a bottle. Hold me. Won't someone hold me? For an excruciating eternity, she held the silver cord straining for a sense of being, desperate to feel the tickle of a leaf of a gentle finger. But some force gripped her other arm, pulling her down, down. At some murky point, she felt it, heard it, a sudden, unbearable tug, tug. Snap! Her cord, the cord, broke. Elga in the Past Wheezing and weeping, Elga clutched the sharp cliffside rocks and climbed until she found a jutting space midway up. Below, she watched as the campfires extinguished one by one below her as her people reached for the cover of night and prepared for flight. Flames hissed. Waves roared. Angry. All of it. Angry. She was angry. Deeply Frighteningly angry, a screaming roar erupted from Elga's deepest recesses. I did my best! She screeched to the night sky, imagining her piercing voice reaching beyond the veil and into her beloved dead daughter's ears. I did all I knew how to do! Collapsing, knees banging into the rocks, Elga bent until her forehead touched the ground, clutched, and yanked at her hair until her scalp throbbed to the brink of tearing. I did what I thought you would want me to do. Elga's tribesmen and women, unwilling to slay her storykeeper's gifting, from their people for all eternity instead sentenced elga to remain in a cramped storage cabin for the duration of their ocean voyage she with Brana as punishment no map no clue left for her to ascertain their direction or destination she strained to make out the utterances of Mara, the star speaker, who knew the stars by name and spoke to them for guidance. All Elga had gathered in seven days at sea was this the water pulled them south, while the wind urged them west, and the stars, from their place aloft in the heavens, verified, yes. At night, the storage cabin was dark as pitch. She held Brana's head in her lap and traced her features over and over, allowing her tears to freely fall, to cleanse her granddaughter's cheeks and brow of the dirt and scrapes that had accumulated from being carelessly hefted and hoisted. Careless. If there was one thing Elga had known, always known, about Brana, it was to handle with care. How had she forgotten? She had been propelled by fear cloaked as care, but it was fear just the same. And now what? She cupped her face, allowed herself one barking sob, to release the pressure in her damned-up heart. Kara had insisted the young woman was not truly dead. To Elga's eye, Brana bore no difference from a corpse, save that her body stayed a touch warmer, that her skin never quite reached that pallor, that her arms and legs and neck weren't Frozen like a dry twig, they would bend to the will of one who wished to move her. But whenever Brana's lips looked too thin, too lifeless, she called Kara's words to memory. Her spirit resides in a sort of sleeping place, Elga. With whom? Elga had asked. Kara had blinked thrice and looked away, and Elga knew then. Perhaps the sleeping place was where they all were held, Brana, and the darkness-feasting strange comers. At nightfall, the scurries of every vagrant varmint in the storage cabin sent a feeling down Elga's extremities like... Hundreds of tiny spiders, and then they came. One, two, three glowing pinpricks emitted from Brana, coming until they filled the room. She clutched her lantern, certain the spirits banged on ephemeral walls, screaming for escape. They originated in the pits of darkness," Kara had said to their people after the ritual. Brona was their door; they feasted on her physicality to obtain their own. But in locking her spirit in the sleeping place, we pulled the rug from underneath the strange comers. They have no power no consciousness anymore, unless you give it to them by removing the cloak of lantern light and standing in darkness for them to snatch and reign in you. Other than that, or through the arrival of another doorkeeper given over to abuse and cruelty, they will never be seen. Again. Abuse. Cruelty. Elga smeared the tears from her face, then slammed a fist into the wooden wall of the ship. Pressing the throbbing fingers to her lips, she sobbed and gasped. Was this to be the legacy of her dedication, her love for her daughter's daughter? she whispered. Here she sat, banished to the belly of the barge for an incalculable amount of time, alone but for the company of accusation. I love you, she said, cradling Brana's expressionless face in her lap, tracing her round features. I did it all because I loved you. Because I promised your mother." She doubled over sobbing. A relentless stream of images barraged her, flagellating her with vicious abandon. Under it all was the missing Seamus' insistent wail. The Ever-Child will make us leave. Elga remembered a lively, breathless Brana climbing the cliffs, triumphant from rescuing one of her final plant friends. The messenger Jala, three days dead now, had laughed when Elga chastised the young woman. Elga, be soft on the dare, young woman. We all must answer the call of our unlocking. And Brawna does so beautifully. Elga had tried to soften the stiff blow of her correction, then, saying, You are my dearest, the purest soul on Inniskellik. There is nothing I wouldn't do to protect you. And she had said something else then, regret curdled in Elga's belly as the words shoved their way to the forefront of her memory. The story of your demise is not a story I want to keep. And yet here she sat, the shell of Brawna in her lap, the tormenting sense in their dark, dank, storage room that slayed tribesmen and women stood by and watched with betrayal in their eyes, whispering, How could you have done this to us? Again, the words echoed in her memory. The story of your demise is not a story I want to keep. Nothing remained for her now. Nothing remained for her people. Because of her, their storykeeper, they had fled their land for the second time in history, leaving everything behind but the anger in their hearts. For all any of them knew, the last memories of the Innis tribe would be swallowed by the gluttonous sea. An icy determination coursed through Elga's veins. It had never been done before, had never even been attempted. Of that she was certain. The quilt of her ancient memory was seamless, pristine, without blemish. The past had been their guide, their north star, to keep them from repeating the mistakes of history of their forebears would she dare to rip a page from that sacred book touching the lids of bronna's eyes elga allowed the biting frost inside her to reach the last shreds of her being and welcomed it willed it to freeze the pain and regret and rage into soulless determination she whispered the story of our demise is not a story i want to keep there in the darkness while the sea lurched their boat into the far reaches of the unknown elga committed the first act of a story keeper that her people would never remember. Elga craned her head to better hear their giggling chatter. Cataracts robbed her of soaking up their smiles. Brana would have loved these children. Elga banished the thought as soon as it came. Thinking of Brana, even now, twenty years later, brought the vision of her granddaughter's body, lying under creek waters, running down the west mountain. Magical waters, the native people had said. Water can be a portal to a spiritual world, Kara had said and burying Brauna there could help preserve her tenuous connection with life on earth. Elga had said nothing. Even the Koyahota would not stay after the first sunset spent with the Innis and their haunting lights. Never seen, the tribal seer had called them. Whiny grunts shook Elga back to the present moment. Why does the story-keeper stop in the middle so much? The tinny wine belonged to Jala, three-year-old daughter of the now-grown Aelis. Hush! That was older sister Hyla's distinct voice. She fades away sometimes. Just wait patiently. But I want to hear the rest of the story. Me too, said Hyla. Can't you show it to us, Elga? Please. It's too scary for you, said Hyla, aged twelve, who showed strong signs of becoming the next story keeper. Not until you're much older. And I'm much too weak, no. Elga shifted on her rock, every muscle weak, every bone stiff. Every day, she found herself longing for her bed more and more. But every day, she wobbled to her rock, sat, and told the story of how the Innes fled their tormentors. The powerful spirit tribe of the strange comers, only to find themselves living in a new land that not even the Koyahota wanted now, save for the one who stayed and married the widowed Mara. Twenty years of story keeping since that treacherous night on the ocean. Elga had never planned to live. Twenty more years. Never wanted to. But all the hours and days and seasons and unlockings she had spent sitting on her rock, some part of her knew why her body refused to die. Couldn't die. She couldn't die until she knew her insidious fib, had truly worked, and would stand the test of time. It stood past Aben's lifetime, past Kara's, past Turla's and Morkin's and Mara's. But would it stand for the next storykeeper? She took a breath, and spoke again. It was the native chieftain's daughter who discovered the dangerous ritual, the ritual to trap the Tannisk to soul form. But it was the face of Kara, dead from sickness for a decade now, that filled Elga's mind as she spoke. Why did she stop again? said Jala. Hyla whispered to her younger sister. Oh, she always gets choked up when she speaks of the ritual. Why does the ritual make you so sad, Elga? The girl asked. Elga swallowed the lump in her throat. Her voice was hoarse when she answered. Because the price to protect our people was very steep. Mothers whooping sounded through the trees. The children's call home for mealtime. But Elga stayed on her rock, cocking her head this way and that, making out the sizes and shapes of shadowy children meandering past shadowy trees, listening. I don't like it when the story keeper is sad. Whimpered little Jalla. I know, said Hyla. She gets sad whenever she tells that story. Sometimes I feel like. like maybe she really knew them. Hyla! Whenever Elga tried to speak loudly these days, her voice came out like a croak. Yes? Footsteps crunched closer. When do you expect your unlocking? Uh, The star speaker says, under the moon of my thirteenth birthday. Pride rang in Hyla's voice like a bluebird's chirp. So, said Elga, when is that? Three days hence. Elga's heart hitched, a symptom of more than mere nervousness three days. She summoned a weary smile. I will be with you three days from now, then. As the girl walked away, Elga thought, I will remain three days, not a day longer. Are you interested in stories of ghosts, poltergeists and the paranormal? Do you love an amazing tale of an unsolved mystery? A strange disappearance? How about a UFO encounter or even a first-hand sighting of a creature that should only exist in your nightmares? Why not join us over at the Haunted UK podcast where every two weeks we delve deep into the tales of the strange and unusual. The unsolved and the downright weird. The Haunted UK podcast is available on all major platforms, as well as being on Instagram and Coffee. So why not give us a follow and get involved with the show? Thanks for listening, and we really hope that you'll join us for our next episode. And on that note, it's back to the show. The Forgetfulness was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Neverseen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelai. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Ooh, ooh.